it is probably complexer than a one-on-one work. I mean, the whole project, because you have to build this machine nearly that puts out all these artifacts, which is quite a lot of work, but it was very, very satisfying. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing the best conversations we have had with significant builders, experts, and communicators. The people we encounter and work with as we go about helping you build brands people care about. Season four is based on our exploration of Web3, NFTs, and all things Metaverse. We're seeing an explosion of creativity and brands popping up all over this new space. Yet the rules seem to be different and experimentation is not only expected, but welcome. Follow our conversations with the designers, the builders and the visionaries shaping Web3 and the metaverse. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Lucas Zanotto. Lucas is an Italian-born designer, artist, and director. His career is varied and playful as his creations. His work effortlessly merges analog and digital craft into thought-provoking films, apps, and installations. With his background in product and graphic design, he applies a minimal style and formal principles to his creative process. He also creates intriguing apps for children through his entertainment platform, Yaya Toy, which aims to encourage creativity through music and art. He's been awarded with a Golden Lion in Cannes and an Apple Design Award and many more. We talk about working with AI and how you can turn it into a creative tool. We explore the shift in workflow where the emphasis is on setting parameters and rules rather than relying solely on individual skill. We talk about allowing creative freedom within a coherent framework to build your brand. Enjoy. Lucas, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I really, really appreciate um, you coming. I've been following your work for a long time and tried to track you down on Twitter, but we're finally here. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, nice to be here. Thank you for contacting. And it's been a, it's been a while since we started talking about this. So it's good finally to do it. Yes. So, so I'm interested in our in in our conversations. You sort of outlined your career, which you know was something that I didn't necessarily have as deeper insight into, but it gave me a lot of context into the work that you do today. Can you talk a little bit about kind of how you've ended up, you know, here today producing the 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 pieces that you do? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's maybe just spin it really wide. But uh, I, I basically come from the product design background. So I started with architecture. Uh, but after two years, I did an internship in a product design um, studio. And I just fell in love with it. And I decided to swap over to go to product design. So I studied that. And then I worked a couple of years in Milan. Uh, but from there, I don't know, I was always also really into graphics. and filmmaking and then i started leaning parallel more towards i made a couple of short films and focused more on graphics and then at some stage when you know the whole big flash boom came up and so and then i really i i mean i did 
I did a lot of, I started doing lots of stop frame animation and different things. And I tried out different mixed media stuff back then. But then, I don't know, with, with Flash, uh, it became, I don't know, suddenly, you know, making a film, making graphics, uh, sound, everything somehow came together with animation for me. So, so that's why I, I got super, super into it. I really, really, yeah, fell in love with it. Uh, but then, yeah, then moved from stop frame to 2d animation to uh, lots of after effects. And finally, I guess also into 3d uh, animation and just uh, playing around with 3d softwares and yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a mix from, I, I also did a lot of directing, um, commercials. Mm. I mainly do that also still, to be honest, uh, or at least the last 15 years, that was my, my job in a way. So, and, and most of this commercial had like a mixed media element. So, you know, it was a lot of building, lots of sets and, and shooting, setting up lights, making the perfect product shot. And, and there came in also this whole tactile which i i brought with from the product design because i was always really into um you know forms colors textures and uh, how does it feel and all and, and shapes and design in general so so building sets was very a, a thing that was a bit my my language i really liked it uh, and then suddenly mm -hmm. when i started playing more with 3d i noticed oh this is so much more efficient and easier than, than building something, setting up the studio, filming it and editing it and, you know, grading it and all that stuff. And you could do all on the software. So I, I got very excited about it and the satisfaction mm. of building something was very close to it. So, yeah. And then, yeah. And then went a bit, explored a bit the whole social media, Instagram, boom, uh, web free, uh, and yeah. And lately now trying a bit playing around with AI. And so that's where we are now. Interestingly, like when I discovered your work, there's, there's a very clear brand signature or visual signature in what you've done. And, and I'm interested because understanding your background art makes sense. You've got these really simple shapes. You've got these kind of bold colors and color pairing that's quite intentional the movement in all these you know in all these things is is very much there um and then obviously the characters those simple eyes have the ability to communicate emotion um so beautifully can you can you just share how you know did you deliberately create the style is this just something that you sort of collected up over a period of time, because it feels, you know, your work is so different, the different iterations, mood rollers, mood flippers, even the one of one work and now the AI work, there's like, definitely, I can see it and know who created it quite, quite easily. Yeah, uh, well, th thank you. Um, I, I guess it comes already from way before the whole web free thing, to be honest, because um, mm. like, as I uh, explained before, maybe even a bit too long, my whole journey, but, uh, there was, uh, there was always a lot of character work involved in it always. And, um, so I was always fascinated by, by eyes and what can I do with simple putting eyes onto something. Um, and, and that just somehow, I guess, 
that's combined with the whole design approach coming again from product design and you know modeling designing shapes and so and then combined with animation and kinetic elements i think that that leads up to some kind of style but i think it's it's very i mean that the style is very reduced i try to reduce it as as much as i can and then somehow the form comes comes out and it's so genuine and so simplified and it works or or i tweak it until it works but with the most simple elements and then that that trying to reduce language at the same time becomes also maybe the the style i guess so so maybe this that could be a coherent um, element in it that makes it maybe recognizable looking back on your your back catalog of work i can i can see I can see the thread coming through. I mean, Plank, you kind of gave a a ping pong ball life and character. It's got like almost an emotion to it. And at the same time, it sort of extends its emotion onto to the tables. I mean, uh, I think the other projects, if I remember correctly, was Minimal or Minimals and Eyes is, I think, kind of the root of where you, you at today. Um, how do you, I mean, Interestingly, how do you go about stripping things back? And you mentioned just now that you sort of make them work. How do you go about stripping things back until you feel like you've, you know, not gone too far for it to not contain any emotion, but, you know, and, and keep that sort of balance? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you just, uh, I don't know, maybe with an example, maybe minimals is a good example. I mean, there is like, um, I try to, how can I somehow, um, make or build an animal out of simple primitive shapes. And, and it's, it's nearly like you you set yourself like limits and boundaries. And I, I enjoyed Mm. it like to give myself rules in a way, because if it's too open, I get lost. So if I, if I say maybe I can just use free shapes, let's say, and how can I use free, just primitive shapes and place them and scale them and rotate them and stick them together uh, and color them in a way that I recognize this is a penguin or this is uh, an elephant or something. So so it, it's it's always like, yeah, I guess it's about giving yourself certain rules in a way or limits and then stick to them. Mm. I think there's, you know, coming back to sort of branding, I think there's an interesting like lesson in here for people who are trying to build their own visual signatures, that it's those rules that that create the signature. And it's not that rules are, are almost limiting, it's that the rules are freeing because you have complete freedom within those that framework. So you set yourself like, these are my guidelines and I won't break out of that. But within this, there's now almost an infinite pool of options that you can create, but it all feels coherent. It all feels like it's part of the same family because of the, the rule set. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And w- w- for example, why, w- when you said mood roller, so that's the first time I actually programmed in a way Cinema 4D to generate um, animations. 
and and that's yeah. exactly what what you do back like on the generative art or generative generative content you also just set the rules in a way you give them a, a certain set a library uh, you give them parameters or limits and then so you design it with these elements basically and these mm. limits and parameters and then the outcome is like also surprising to to yourself uh, and and then I find like that's super exciting. That's really lovely because maybe you set up a color palette of seven, eight, or twelve colors, uh, but then somehow the the algorithm puts them together in a way that you would maybe not have put them together, and and you just surprised. And it, most of the time, the the outcome is really really fascinating and beautiful. And uh, mm. and and that I found very very exciting. So. Yeah, and and I feel a, a hint of similarities now with this playing around with AI as well, because there it's a mm. lot a similar thing. You kind of design it by giving certain parameters and rules in a way, and that's very exciting. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated. You, you did this sort of leap into Web three, and you've done a, a, a series of kind of larger generative projects and a lot of one-of-one -one arts. Um, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, kind of what did, what did the, the technology unlock for you as a creator? Like, what did, like, how did it help you sort of think about creating things for, for your audience? Whereas before it was almost the recognition, I think you called it like the Instagram days. The recognition is just people following you and liking, and maybe Vimeo gives you a staff picks. You know, that's kind of the the end result. And then you kind of you almost need to leverage that into something else in order to sort of make income off it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, of course, it gives you exposure and it gives you uh, maybe other jobs. So if you if I don't know, if you get a certain following at some stage, then, you know, uh, it, it comes around, people see it and agencies see it or art directors or whoever, and then they contact you. Can you do something similar for this brand? Or we have this, this brief or something, uh, which is a great thing because you get a job and most of the time you can also bring in a bit your own thing, um, but you're still limited by, of course, clients' um, demands in a way. And, um, and, and, and that's okay. I mean, that's complete commercial work, but, but so with NFT and this whole, um, like, uh, art, uh, or this whole token system, it, it's just, it was, it was when it, when it started, it was very, very exciting because it was, uh, there was no, no way before to monetize anything uh, of this kind of creations. Uh, I mean, you, you, you made them just to get, yeah, like likes or exposure in a way. Um, and, and by, by putting a token there and having it as a unique piece, uh, of course you get the value and you can sell it and, and it changed a lot of the, the, the game. Cause suddenly, you know, you, you made these things that, that are purely like yours. You, you like it. You, you want to make it exactly how you want it. And then you can sell this piece in a way, or somehow it gets a value or a signature. And that, that was a big game changer. And, and it was really exciting because it, it gives you in a way a possibility to, to live from that. 
and you don't you, you, you do not need to squeeze your your IP into a, another brand but you can sell your own content in a way and that is and yeah that gives a totally different view on the thing because you can monetize your free work in a way mm. i think it is it is a a big kind of step change in terms of of the simplicity of transaction you know there's you like you said there's somebody who creates something that they really like and then there's somebody literally on the other side who sees that thing and buys it but this is kind of in a digital version so it's not like i have to come find you in in your shop and buy something from you like i can i can find you anywhere in the world and engage with you immediately if i like it and if i don't like it i can move on and find something else that i i do like which is yeah. is you know it sounds simple, but I, I think this has made it much more exponential for people who are creating kind of any kind of visual or emotive or kind of artistic work. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, of course, it comes with pro and cons, everything, but just the whole, I mean, just the whole technical part of you to make a smart contract um, that is just that's wonderful i mean after mm. the whole market in itself and the whole schemes and all this you know that with crypto got unfortunately a bit of a shady image and so but uh, <laughs> maybe that is a bit questionable but the whole the whole yeah. technical part is amazing because in a way you give uh, you get the digital value and and that is and we are living in a mostly in a digital world uh, so so it, it's about time that we get the digital value i think mm, i agree I mean, talking about digital value, you've you've worked, you know, in the kind of one-on-one -on -one space, and you did a you were part of an exhibition with Sotheby's um, recently, selling one-of-one -one work. But you also have done two projects where you you used kind of generative pieces to sort of generate thousands of artworks. Um, I'm interested in your collections. That feels like there was very little. Every piece felt very handmade in the generative pieces. It had a, a very similar quality to the the singular, like you know, the single one of one works. How do you how did you approach creating the the different? How do you approach the two different things? Creating one on one art and the other side kind of creating a collection that's much larger, um, but you didn't necessarily physically create each one. You just created the the rule set that generated it. Yeah, I mean, so so purely from a concept point of view, I see the one one is like the the, the artworks. Um, so it's like um, if you think of a traditional artist, he made maybe some some paintings or a sculpture uh, that that has a certain value because it's a unique piece in that way, or it's a unique crafted piece. Uh, and then, but, but, but lots of, uh, you know, lots of contemporary artists, also artists also see, like, if you look at Murakami or, or Koss or, you know, more of this contemporary, more pop art, mm. um, they, they also have very valuable big pieces. Uh, and then they have also some smaller collectibles like statues, like vinyl statues or something. And 
And for me, so the one-on-ones are the, the pieces with a certain value because it's an artwork that you spend, you know, time with it, you make it. Uh, but then this the, a whole, the bigger collection, uh, for example, mudras or mood flippers, I see it. I see it also as as one nearly a project, nearly one art piece. But out of this art piece, you you, you know through a technique of generating different, yeah, as I explained before, different rules and so far, you nearly split it up in in thousands of pieces, and then you can sell this piece, and you have a, a piece of this one bigger project. And at the same mm. time, you get like this, you could see it as a, as a statue, you get uh, an animation dupe, uh, similar to a vinyl collectible toy. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, but it's maybe even, even more exciting because it's a unique thing. So it has, it is part of, it's the same animation. It's the same concept of, as the main work, but this piece in itself, it's a, it's a unique combination of these elements. And so you have just one unique piece, but are part of a bigger project. And and I like I like to see it. And it's more affordable. I mean, the one ones are maybe more expensive. So for one people, for some people, maybe they are they they maybe don't even want to spend so much money on on, on an artist. Uh, and then this is more an affordable smaller piece. So you can have this small collectible. You can have a piece of the whole art world of this mm. artist. And at the same time, you invest also in that because if the artist becomes more successful and more popular, then probably your smaller piece also gets more value. So mm. in a way, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a collectible in a way. I like that. I mean, I think there's two thoughts in there that that's, I enjoy. The one is that you you see the collection as a singular piece it's it's like a single expression that has 4000 8000 10000 20000 sort of artifacts that come out the other side of it which which i enjoy and then i also like that you know almost that that the market difference so you know certain people are going to buy the 101s and certain people are going to buy the the collections and as you were talking i was reminded of uh, Comme de Garçon and how they've got their kind of high-end fashion range, which is made for very wealthy people, people who are walking down red, fancy red carpets, you know, and and that kind of stuff. But then there's also pop, which is you can go and buy a t-shirt or a wallet or a sticker or, you know, something you could like break it all the way down to its smallest kind of component piece. Um, and, and I never really yeah, thought about that's... it in that kind of way that it is a commercial model that gives access to a broader range of human beings um, whilst still allowing you to produce work. Yes. Yeah. So that's a good comparison, actually. It's perfect. But it has a little plus that at the same time, it's also a unique piece. So it's like you would get Mm. a t-shirt, which is generated with a certain print that it's just, there exists just this one piece in a way. So... Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, feel, I don't know. It's, um, I mean, I, of course it is, it is, it is, it is probably complexer than a one-on-one work. I mean, the whole project, uh, cause you have to mm. build this machine nearly that puts out all these artifacts. Um, but yeah, but which, which is quite a lot of work, uh, but it was very, very, um, 
satisfying. It was very, I enjoyed it a lot. The, pro, the process was really, really lovely because you, mm. you're basically literally building a machine in a way, and then you just throw out the renders. It's amazing. But yeah. I like that. So you as the artist are sort of creating the machine and the machine is then churning out all the, all the pieces. Coming back to the beginning of our conversation, there's this like thread through your craft. In order to program, the, you know, the machine to sort of create that movement or that motion, you need to understand almost the underlying basics of what make that motion work, as opposed to just making one loop work. It's now how do I make 5,000 loops work? You need to almost understand the framework. Has that, that process of programming that almost like a digital copy of yourself, has it taught you something about your own creative practice and how you produce work? Um, and has, how does that carry into the future for you? Yeah, I mean, of, of, uh, of course, the, so basically, um, so of course there are certain limits in a way, if you, for example, if, if you build this kind of, um, machine or whatever, but, uh, so you also design it for this machine. So you are limited by certain things. So that affects mm. what comes out in sense of the, all the statics and, and the animation itself. Um, and that of course involves, so you start also thinking of, I have to animate this in a way that I can, you know, exchange these shapes from a cube to a sphere, to a cylinder or, or whatever you, you put in there. So that limits you. And in the same time, that's how you then design the thing. Um, mm. and at the same, yeah, but at the same time, I think also now with AI work, starting to understand a bit how you could maybe use something like this, a tool like that. Um, it, you, you notice it's a new way of working. Uh, so it's a new, um, it's a new, yeah, it's, it, it's quite a shift. I think it's, it's nearly like more like, you know, directing something you have in your mind. Uh, so it's, it's not really anymore about the skill, how I'm, how, you know, how can I tweak these curves of the animation? To... So I think we are in kind of a, a shift of, of workflow in a way or how we work. Um, because uh, it's, it's more of a, of a directing or more of like giving again, parameters and rules rather than having a skill of, I'm a, I'm a good animator or something like that, that I'm it, it's not so much anymore how I'm able to tweak certain certain curves of the animation or I have a skill for it. Uh, I think these times probably soon will be taken over partly by some kind of ready-made model that you could use. Uh, mm. So it's, I don't know where it will go, but I just feel it's coming a shift, definitely. So yeah, well, I mean, but, but it's, it's quite exciting though. I, I agree. Uh, I mean, fascinating your new, the new stuff that you're sort of putting out on, you know, on all your channels is these multiple stacks of characters in real world scenes made of different materials. Um, and I saw an interesting kind of debate on Twitter where someone was like, you admit it, you're using AI to create these. And you were like, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, you know, of course I'm using AI to create <laughs> these things and, and experience them. I mean, I'm interested in how you think about 
kind of AI and, and the negative kind of connotations of it, which I think there was a lot of the similar things where people are like, oh, NFTs is just a, a you know tool. It's it's not interesting. It's a scam. And and I see a similar narrative around AI, but I've, I've been in this industry for so long that, I mean, animation used to be done on multi-million dollar machines that only a few people could afford to have. And in my career, it's now, you know, somebody with an iPad, uh, you know, and an After Effects subscription can create beautiful 3D objects, you know, seamlessly. And I, I think it's just that evolution of tools as we as we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I think th- the same at the moment. Um, I don't know where where this is going. I also, to be honest, I know too little about all of this. I, I use it just to play around now because I just want to explore a bit. What What is this thing? What can I do with this thing? Uh, mm. And and yeah, and of course, I think there is there is always people against new things somehow uh probably you need also the the haters or something and but uh, but it's also weird because i mean i i i kind of i understood it on the whole nft and crypto thing uh because it was it was a big thing with you know there was uh, there's money there was money involved there is a lot of scams involved there is the whole energy problem mm. involved so there are proper reason why somebody can shout out and be angry i think uh, so I, I completely understood it um but now that but now on the ai suddenly that people yeah that th- that is a bit that is a fascinating thing because um i i don't feel like i'm harming anyone with playing around with a new tool i mean i'm i'm not I'm not really ripping off, I, I guess, the work of others. It's more like your interpretation of works, and but that happens in inspiration in general. I think that's that's what you do. That's why when you create something, you get influences from different, you know, not just from different artists or different designers, but from playing with your kit or whatever. You get input from everywhere and you build out your thing in a way, because you see mm. this mechanism on a wheel and then you think of something, something that this designer designed in the 80s and then you combine these two things and suddenly you have something new or something yours in a way. So I think this whole thing works in a similar way. Um, it just takes from, from a wider range, a quicker range, from everywhere something and based on newer input, it puts out something new. And and I found that I find that very yeah that that's that's so that so so far I find it very exciting and it's very it brings also new ways for me to watch at you know what watch things so it's it's just exciting and and regarding the I mean I had a lot of comments like saying to me like I'm very disappointed that you are using AI and so and it's just um, and I was just why are you disappointed? I mean, you can just stop looking at my work or just unfollow me. I mean, I'm not obligated to do something for you. So mm. it's it's not that you are telling me what I have to do for me in a way. So that is that was a weird thing. And at the same time, I just don't understand what it's, it's exactly like you said, it's another tool as well. It's just 
um, I mean, it's, it's just an evolved machine in a way. So mm. if, if you compare it drastically, very extremely to, for example, a particle system on some animation software in 3D or 2D or wherever, um, I mean, you also give paramet parameters how many particles does this thing shoot out for a certain period of time in what frequency and so far. And then you get the output, but you give, you give, you don't create it. I mean, you give inputs in a way, and it puts out mm. some, some, something, something comes out from your inputs. And this is a bit in an extreme way, but it's a bit a similar thing. You give certain parameters and this throws you out something, but it's not that each particle is handcrafted, animated in a way. So it's just an evolved tool, in my opinion, so far. Maybe mm. in half a year, I think totally different about it. But <laughs> Because when, I mean, when the robots are marching, yeah, or or when the whole copyright elements and I mean, because of course, I mean, in the same time, every artist also suffers from it. If you look at the copyrights, but I don't know, I but I don't, I I don't feel like that in uh, right now. I'm mm. not. I think it's more of a, you have to think more like an open source approach. I think it's not that, you know, it's not like this is mine, this is mine, I have to protect it. I mean, you have just to come up with things. You just have to go on and work with these new tools, I guess. I think it's, I mean, what's interesting to me is I find there's certain industries that are quite good at being bellwethers of what's coming. Um, and I think music is a great one where, you know, music was fairly difficult to produce as in you needed musicians with high talent and you know if you needed 15 instruments you needed 15 people who've mastered their craft you needed a room that was soundproofed in order to record it in you needed an expensive piece of hardware to record that you needed tape things and that's kind of how you did it and only people like sony and bmg and these guys had the money to actually do that stuff so the artists were sort of linked to them and then kind of digital recording software came along and suddenly if you can play the piano you can map a guitar onto it or you can make it sound like drums or you can make it sound like a singer and then you can use software to tweak the audio that's coming in and you can create really good well, music of it but it still comes down to the skill of the person guiding and producing that software it's not like it kind of makes the music beautifully for you so i think like you say the way i think about it at the moment is is ai is about direction you know you can't just go make me a good ad you know it's not gonna like pop mm. out a brilliant ad that's gonna win massive awards like you need to actually work that tool until it kind of gets to a point of being interested but then coming back to music again it doesn't mean that people don't still attend acoustic music festivals where there's just a really talented singer with one guitar on a stage playing music you know all the mm. way up to there's kind of clubs where people are playing on massive sound system with completely electronic music all the way down to you know a, a 200 brass band thing and all of those kind of paradigms exist in the music industry at the same time and i think a similar thing will happen with creativity and, and artistry. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we have such an AI boom right now and everybody has this needed this own, uh, this, bless you. 
Um, so we, we, yeah, we come, you know, it's such a, such a boom right now. So everything is just, mm. my feet is basically AI in a way, just this new tool and this new thing and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, but, but I, I think everybody also thinks of, has this vision of AI, like nearly like this, this cyber intelligence taking over uh, the world mm. in a way. So I think everybody has this sci-fi view of it. And I, I don't know, I don't think it's, it's really, I don't think it's, it, it's not really that, or at least for quite a while. I think it's just, uh, it, it's, again, it's, it's a tool that we can use for, for good things. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite an exciting uh, playground at the moment and let's see where it goes. But, but th- that's, that's the thing. I mean, and that's why I, I, I wanted to play around with it. And, and, and for me at the moment, it's like making like a composition, like I put out on, on social media at the moment. If I, I, in a way I could render something like this and make it look similarly real it would be Mm. just a lot of work uh and the same thing i could even build some stuff like this for real and make a picture of it but it would be Mm. even more work um the 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 exciting thing what i find is like that because lots of people uh train uh you, you you train your modules and uh you know it you, you build nearly a clone of yourself and it gives you similar work, which I've not looked so much into yet. Cause it's, I don't know, in, in a way it is, it's, it's exciting to build a clone of yourself. But what I really enjoy at the moment is actually that you give it just, you know, you give instruction and then comes out that I would have not something out that I would have not expected. Or it's, it's actually not mm. exactly my work. It's something it's like experimental. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And, and that is, that is actually the part I think I enjoy the most. Uh, so, so, so I don't even want to limit it too much. And then, I mean, I guess I just set certain limits for example, for example, to myself, like I want the outcome to be in this, in this great zone of it could be possible for real, but it's not, and it looks very real and it has a certain character in it and it has a certain atmosphere and a certain feeling in it. Cause often there comes out these, these photos or these pictures. And, and I don't know, I see them the first time and I'm just in awe. Cause I think like, Oh, this gives me a very beautiful sensation or an emotion. And it just mm. came out with this collaboration with some mechanical intelligence system and something. And, and the output gives me a nice feeling. And I think that's, uh, that's what this thing is about. Uh, and, and, and that is very exciting and beautiful. So it's worth exploring it. Why would I, why would I not do it and be like, no, I don't want to use AI. I, I mean, why, why not? Yeah. Why not try it out? I think, I think what you've just said there is, is quite profound because it, it sticks to a lot of what your work is, you know, and one of the things I said when I was describing what I saw your brand is that idea of like conveying emotion and connecting emotion. And he just said that you try to get that, elicit that emotion with this visual. And if it doesn't do that, then it, it kind of fails. Um, I'd love to ask you just, just one more question. You know, you've, 
been experimenting with all of these things and you found success in in kind of nfts and you you now kind of experimenting with ai and you've created all of this work what are you most excited about where or like what is the thing that excites you where all of this ends up going hmm. yeah i mean it's uh, it's I mean, as cheesy as it, as it sounds, but of course, it's the whole journey as well. Um, it's, it is because of, you know, you go through that period and then period and that, you know, and you melt this all together. So it's an evolving thing. So it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's exciting to see also what new technology and what new, uh, inspirations or whatever brings this this thing that you build for yourself to the next level. So you're just expanding mm. and expanding and, and building it. And I, I mean, that's a bit the goal. I'm, I'm to, to create this own IP that after you can, you know, again, maybe it, maybe to put it in the other way around that before, you know, maybe a client came and said, make me this. And now maybe a client comes, Hey, can I put my name under your thing in a way? Mm. And, and that is very exciting. That's, and that's, that's a bit the goal to nearly franchise your own, own stuff in a way. So to build a, a brand IP. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's the thing that drives me the most and it's the most exciting thing. Well, Lucas, I mean, thank you so much for, for sharing with us. Um, it was really nice to understand a bit more behind your work. Um, you know, for me, what I'm taking from this interview is this idea. I think a big one is these parameters. I think these parameters is what, what creates that brand IP. Um, and I also really enjoy your experimental spirit. I think there's so much opportunity for companies and brands and creators to explore with these tools and see where it kind of comes out because i think that's where the the real sort of value is in it is like figuring out what we can create with these things that we are are being presented with so i mean i think with that lucas thank you so much for coming on the podcast i i really appreciate it and yeah we'll catch all of you in the next one um bye-bye for listening we believe sharing knowledge is an obligation so if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand please share this with them this is our fourth season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first to know when a new episode is released even better leave a review and tell the world how much you enjoyed listening one more question is brought to you by the people of nice work we're on a mission to build purposeful Web3 brands that people care about. We're based in South Africa and serve the leaders of brave companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, work with us or make a suggestion, please reach out at www.nicework.co.za. Bye-bye.